Welcome everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource and joining me is Bruce Ogilvie. He's the executive chairman of Alliance Entertainment. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning to you, Jeff. So Bruce, for those that aren't familiar with Alliance, can you give us a, a, just a quick overview about the company and, and how you came to be public as well, if you will? I've been with Alliance since uh, 2001. Last year, uh, we did do a DSPAC uh, with a company called Adara. PACs generally got a really bad name last year, and so we were certainly caught up in that whole windstorm, and we had a very high redemption rate of uh, 99%, which put us on the OTC, but that made us a public company uh, with the plan that we would continue on wanting to be a public company, and we did what we call an S1 uplist uh, on June 30th, and uh, here we are today as a public company trading on the NASDAQ. So what is it that you guys do? Uh, we are a distributor and retailer of exclusive and non-exclusive entertainment products consisting of uh, music, which would be CDs and LPs, movies, which would be a 4K, you know, 3D uh, standard definition, Blu-ray, games, anything to do with the entertainment of games, whether it be consoles, controllers, headphones, software, keyboards for the game industry, as well as collectibles, uh, consisting of uh, anything that's really related to the entertainment category for movies, music, games, or artists, as far as collectibles, speakers, uh, games, uh, when we say board games, those type of games, anything in that area of, of entertainment. So is this all physical media, or are you doing digital as well? We do a little bit of digital, which I'll talk about. It's very small, but it's all physical media, uh, with, which being... You can buy the CD, you can buy the movie, you can buy the vinyl, you can buy the video game, you can buy the Funko collector piece, that type of stuff there. And we distribute it and wholesale it as well as retail it. So most of our business is wholesale, where we wholesale to the large retailers and the small retailers, whether it be Walmart, Target, Best Buy, Amazon, the big boys, as well as uh, every independent music store you can imagine in the United States that sells to the local, uh, having one store, two stores, or it could be a 10-store chain, all their musical content or movie content that they want to offer their consumers that come in their stores, as well as we do uh, e-commerce fulfillment, whether it be Walmart.com, Amazon.com, Best Buy.com, as well as independent retailers where they use our fulfillment capabilities as shipping directly to the consumer. The consumer has no idea it's really coming from us when it arrives at the door for the consumer, whether it's coming from like Amazon or Best Buy Target or whoever, it'll say shipped by that retailer with that retailer's logo and that brand name uh, and that, that there will be a packing slip and then the return address also shows that retailer. So you think it came from the large brick-and-mortar retailer or a small retailer, but it really came from us because we just have this great big huge warehousing facility that's very sophisticated for getting out these type of products that need the special care and love and handling and shipping that to the end consumer to make sure it arrives in perfect condition and pristine. Plus, we have this huge selection of in-stock titles there that they're counting on us to have all that in stock because it's very costly to carry, you know, big, huge, long-tail selection like Amazon and compete with them without having a partner like us who can offer all that big, huge, long-tail selection and help those retailers compete with scale with Amazon as far as selection is concerned. 
Okay. So your core competency, is it the back-end warehouse, or, or what is your core competency? Well, it's a combination of that, you know, doing e-commerce fulfillment and distribution, uh, as well as uh, having the uh, tribal knowledge of dealing with all the different new releases and artists and movies and games that come out of what's the right title to bring in and the right quantity to bring in. Um, you know, there is some type of inventory risk that you don't want to over-order and you don't want to under-order. You're always trying to satisfy, you know, fulfill demand and satisfy. You don't want to be oversupplied or undersupplied. And we use all of our years of doing this and all our very complicated buying systems that tracks all this. And we know, you know, what the daily sales are happening at a lot of key retailers and tracking all that as well as what we've shipped and our systems keep track of. So when the catalog's pretty consistent, you know, that's always steady eddy. It always goes along. Uh, we call them evergreen titles, titles that you never want to be out of. We always want to have those in stock. But it's really a, a, a brand new release, an artist you've never heard of, or a movie, or a new game, how is it going to do, that that's where we come in there, our expertise, so that we don't over-order or under-order and make sure we you know, have the right quantity on hand, as well as being able to fulfill and ship all those quantities and meet the sensitive street dates. Uh, you know, in the age of digital, uh, we have to be very careful with having product not land too early, not land too late. Uh, we, these uh, studios and brands, they're very concerned of some type of digital leaks. And physical product is really a perfect copy of, you know, easy for the bootleg and having, uh, you know, our systems in place and, in the way it can land is, is very important to those content providers as well as to the, the retailers and consumers that we have to service. Do you have proprietary or exclusive items? Yes. We, we, don't own, we don't really own any content, but we do license content where we are the exclusive uh, distributor. Primarily in, in the video area there, we have two distribution divisions where, where we, we distribute exclusive products. That's on the movie side as well as the music side. So I'll do the music side first. The music side, we have over 100 small labels that we are their exclusive physical distributor. We do some digital for them also where they just choose not to do it and we'll, we'll, we'll deal with all the aggregators and, you know, to recognize, collect that digital uh, revenue that they generate and then pass it through and take a small distribution fee. And then uh, on the video side there, uh, we have another division. It's called Distribution Solutions. There we have about 30 movie studios that we are the exclusive distributor. So in both those cases that I just mentioned, we're primarily the exclusive distributor where they only, we are the only seller in, you know, in the United States and Canada that can offer those titles. So that really creates a, a sticky customer relationship with the customers so it ensures they have to come back and buy that product from us. On the licensing side, we will actually license product on the video side there where we will license uh, the content, whether it be from Disney or Sony Pictures or Lionsgate, and we will uh, put that, that content out there and market it under our Mill Creek brand, uh, which we have. And, it, and usually these are generally license agreements that run anywhere from three to five years. And then a lot of times there's this auto extension that they send on. For whatever reason, the studios do not want to put out that product uh, maybe they don't feel there's enough of a market or it's just too expensive for them, but it's a, it's a good little niche area for us that we can do that and, and have that exclusive content 
and that just keeps customers coming back to us. You know, if you're a movie buff or a collector of music or movies or games, you know, you're you're always going to want to be into that, and you want to get a physical copy versus a digital copy because one, it, it's yours for life; it can't go away. Uh, you know, with all the windowing and the different way things pop up and disappear in, in the digital world, there, this way you can have that. Of course, people just you know that, that's that's a certain segment of the market that really into that area there, and that's one of our strengths. What's the competitive landscape look like? How you fit in in terms of size and and how you compete? Do you have an exclusive area, or, or how does this work? Well, we don't. We, with the large content providers, and I'm going to say, you know, we got movies, you've got Universal Pictures, you know, Warner Video, Disney, the, you know, the big juggernauts out there, as well as the music side. You've got Universal Music, you've got Sony Music, you've got WMX, which is a we as they're known as. They're, they're the content kings. They own all that content. They make us what we call a non-exclusive distributor, where we have to basically do a good job, pay our bills on time provide a service, and, and, and satisfy the marketplace there. And so these are all non-exclusive relationships. Smaller studios, they're looking for somebody to treat. They don't want to be part of the big, uh, the major studios or the major music labels. Uh, they'd rather be you know, considered a, you know, a, big, you know, a big fish in the small pond there instead of being a small fish in a big pond. So they come to us and we're able to get that. That's about that's a little over two hundred million dollars of our over a billion one point one billion revenue comes from those small studios that really have exclusive content. The other you know nine hundred million is a non-exclusive relationship there that we have there, and that's just being you know doing a good job and in, in, in keeping those those uh, content providers happy. Uh, we provide a really good service for them there because we reach all these these stores that they for whatever reason they don't want to service. They may only want to service, you know, the big five retailers in the U.S. And outside of that, those accounts are pushed into distribution. And so a company like us, Alliance Entertainment, you know, we have, uh, we have the, we are, they, we are their a distributor of theirs, not their exclusive distributor, but we do have competition. Uh, on the gaming side, there are a company called Solutions to Go. And then on the music side, we used to have a company called Ingram Entertainment, but they just recently announced and they shut down their operations last year. So we certainly got the windfall of that. A lot of that business is from coming from Ingram Entertainment to us there. And physical media, are those growing markets again or pretty flat? I would say the CD is started it hit bottom and start to grow. And you say, well, why is the CD growing? And the only reason the CD has come back where it's, it's – it's starting to grow at a little like two to three percent range. It's primarily driven by K-pop. K-pop is a very popular form of music, a Korean pop music there, and um, it's just that they come up with these fantastic packages to create them through like it's collector's items. So they might have 16 variations of the same new release uh, with different kinds of cards or uh, posters or collector's items in there. And so the, their fans, who they market to, you know, they'll go out and buy all those versions. They may only listen, open and listen to one of the versions, but they want to collect all the items there. Um, it's very hard to do that on vinyl. Vinyl has such a long lead time. Uh, it's getting better from what it used to be, but it's anywhere from you know, two to three months to get all the press stuff. Where CD, you can manufacture you know, within a week. It can be manufactured and ready to go to market there. Uh, I expect down the road that vinyl – 
uh, as it, with more capacity comes online, which is happening there, we could see more K-pop releases being vinyl-oriented. But you take an artist like Taylor Swift, you know, she, she did the same thing. She came out with her different versions, and she was able to do some vinyl versions also. So it's just that you've got an uber fan, crazy about the artist, has that relationship, and they want to own everything that's related to that artist in a way because that's, that's, that's what they're about. That's who they connect with, and that's important to them. And that's a real boom to our business there from that standpoint there. So um, overall, vinyl is up. CDs is up a little bit. Movies, uh, standard movies, have been down. That's been trending down. That industry has had some headwinds there. Uh, gaming, there's less uh, gaming uh, discs being put out because there's more more digital uh, license streaming. Uh, net, uh, the, you, you have where you, you're basically you know, $10 a month to $15 a month, all the games you can eat, but primarily Sony and Microsoft are the leaders in that area there with their content that they have in control there. Uh, they all want to be like Netflix eventually, but there is always going to be the Uber fan, uh, the one that always the collector, the one that wants to have that media that they want to own and say it's theirs and not something that could be taken away from them. For that media, are you somewhat vertically uh, integrated? Are you, are you pressing vinyl or CDs? No, we don't do any manufacturing at all. Uh, we are just purely we deal with finished goods on the. On the uh, titles that we, we don't do actual manufacturing, but we do uh, license, when we license that product, the video side there, we have it manufactured on behalf of our studio, Mill Creek there, that, and we use Technicolor to do that, and they manufacture this. They're kind of the leading manufacturer of movies and music and, and games uh, in the U.S. here. And we, you know, we, we give them the content they manufacture it, and then we then we turn around and we distribute it to all these retailers, whether it be Walmart, Target, Best Buy, all that packaged media that we have the license for, so we become the exclusive seller of that. Are you responsible for any of the, the marketing or promotion or the point of sale? As far as content that we license ourselves, we're responsible for all the marketing. As far as big blockbuster of a new movie would be a Star Wars or Marvel Thing. You know, we don't do any of that marketing. That's all done by the, you know, the, the studio himself there. All we are responsible for is buying the product and distributing and getting it out to retail. Uh, so there we're, we're there. In that case, we're kind of fulfilling demand, uh, and the demand is being created by the large studios. Uh, in the case of the, of the smaller studios where we're the exclusive, you know, we have to come up and cr- help create demand, uh, whether it be marketing, uh, you know, doing some type of promotions, uh, BER, we call them rebates, you know, driving traffic, or some type of corrugate displays or seasonal periods. We do all that. And then where are you? Are, are you nationwide? Are you international or regionally? We're primarily based out of the U.S. We have uh, two big, huge uh, distribution facilities, one in Louisville, Kentucky, and the other one in Shakopee, Minnesota there. And uh, Minnesota, we distribute all our video games. In Kentucky, we do vinyl, uh, music, and video out of that location there. As far as our people, we're scattered all around the country. Um, you know, as over the years, as, you know, employees that we've hired or from previous companies they work for, you know, we would kind of set a remote sales office there and they work out of the office. But now with uh, being on the other side of COVID and people, you know, everybody that wanted to go, was working from home, we pretty much adapted that, you know, from there. Not, not, not from a distribution standpoint, 
we can't allow that to happen. We need everybody to come into our facility and, and help ship the orders out because those orders have to be shipped direct to consumer, and that requires pick, pack, and ship and storage in our warehouse but using our, all the automation that we have there to make it as efficient as possible. And what's the revenue model look like in your gross margins? Well, it's about $1.1 billion is our top-line revenue, uh, $1.2 billion range. And, you know, our, our margins, can, you know, depending on the category of the music, the music uh, of the item, we have a video game, you know, our gross margin is, is lower than our margin on an LP. And it really comes down to just a higher average selling price of the item there. So we can work with a lower um, margin markup on that type of item versus, uh, you know, a $10, you know, CD or DVD requires a higher margin. We're still trying to achieve the same amount of gross profit per item to move it through our ecosystem and the cost of handling and shipping. It really costs us the same amount of money to ship a, you know, a $10 CD as it does a $60 video game. Uh, it, they both weigh the same. Uh, they both have the same handling costs, so we can get it. But when it's all done and said, our EBITDA, we target right around between 4 and 5% is where we like to be is our EBITDA number. So how do you grow this business? Our growth strategy is to be the last man standing or last you know, person standing in this categories. We just see it as this large studios or the large music companies that as they focus more and more on digital, uh, they will lose interest and focus on physical, and then we would like to take over and license uh, all their content that they don't, so they don't have to worry about it anymore and just pay them a royalty. We see that's our, our long-term growth is we'll just lean in you know, deeper and stronger and becoming the, the, the manufacturer, shipper, and seller of record of all physical content that's, if it's, as it's still available out there. Physical will never go away. It never has. I mean, they've been t- talking about books would go away with the Kindle. That never happened. Uh, book sales, you know, have, have come back from its lows. Uh, I think music has hit its lowest point there. You know, vinyl has been growing o- over the last 10 years. Vinyl never, ever, ever went away. It shrunk down to be a really small number there. But it's just that there is just a, a relationship between the, the, the consumer and vinyl and the artist you know, vinyl works really well for the artist as far as it's something that, you know, that they can connect with their fan. Uh, it's bigger. It's easy to read. They can put more graphics. They can do more with it there. Uh, not, not to take away from any of the K-pop packages. Those are very well. But, you know, when you're an artist and you're touring, you want to sell stuff that after the show, vinyl and CDs, you know, autographing that, that that's a perfect vehicle for do that happening there. Do all that. But, we, we just see it as just us being the, the go-to guys uh, having, and as a public company, you know, we would have the, have the ability to raise the capital to advance that and have the credibility. You know, these, these large content providers, they want to deal with a company with a lot of strength and have confidence there. It can't be some fly-by-night company. And with, that was another reason why we felt we had to go public there is our long-term plan to grow and, and take over more market share than what we currently have. You know, on the music side, we probably have about 45 to 50 percent market share. But on video gaming and video movie side, you know, we're we're you know mid single digit in market share. So we have a lot of growth potential uh, to take and continue to license more content there. And we it is starting to happen. You know, we met last year we uh, entered into a licensing agreement with Disney. Disney is a very large studio. Uh, you know, they have tons of titles there big, huge box office titles there. Um, 
we licensed their bottom 1,800 titles last year, and so we're now taking over the manufacturing just to distribution of that. And we can just see that that'll just keep growing and improving, you know, with all the other studios as we prove to them that if we get, if we can do a good job for Disney, we can do a good job for your studio, whether it be, you know, Paramount, Warner Brothers, Universal, uh, you know, the rest of the big boys out there on the video side there. And we, I can see the same thing happening in music. You know, in the 80s when vinyl was on its way out and CDs were just starting to come along there, the music companies licensed out all their vinyl to third-party companies. Uh, they, they didn't want to deal with manufacturing it anymore. And then as time went on and, and, and vinyl eventually just went away for a little bit there, not totally away, but it got down pretty small there. Now this, the record companies are taking the vinyl back and they're still doing CDs. Not putting out as much CD content as they used to there. I think the focus is there's just more margin and more gross profit in vinyl than there is CD uh, and that's where their focus is right now. So are you acquisitive in terms of buying companies, or is it more in terms of licensing? Oh, oh we've had a whole track record of doing acquisitions. Uh, I joined the company in 2001, and you know, we've done over 15 acquisitions uh, uh, since uh, 2001, uh, always buying out our competitors uh, or diversifying and buying, going in areas of, where we were currently were not distributing you know, we started out just doing, when I joined the company in 2001, uh, we were only doing um, back only CDs then. Uh, and then we, you know, we pivoted. We go in and got into imports. Uh, we, weren't, we weren't importing any music from around the world. And we, the 2003 was an acquisition we did in imports. And the 2007, another, another company, their competitor in imports, acquired them. And so that we were becoming like the largest uh, importer of music. And imports is a great thing. And if you ever went to Tower Records, you always go to the, if you ever wanted to go to the cool department, you go over to the import department to see what the, the same, same stuff that's being released in Japan or the UK, uh, they would have a section for that there. And there was always, there was always a perception that the UK version or the Japanese version was better than the American version. There might be an extra track or maybe the packaging was better or something there. And, once again, if you're a collector of music or you're big in it, you're, you'll be looking for imports. And we leaned in really heavy imports there. 2010, we acquired another company. They were, they were doing business with all the movie studios, which we weren't. And so we bought that company uh, in 2010. Uh, 2013, we bought our largest competitor, which was Alliance. Uh, we were known as a Super D CD listening bar in 2001. And then we purchased our competitor, uh, which was Alliance, in 2013. Um, bought another company uh, that was selling primarily to Walmart and Best Buy. I took over that business there. Uh, we, to get into the gaming industry, we bought a company called Mecca. And in 2020, we bought Mecca's competitor, which was, uh, which was called Kokum Entertainment. And then uh, I left out an 18 that we took over the distribution from Sony Pictures. It was called Distribution Solutions, which was their independent. So, yeah, we're, we're big on doing acquisitions. Uh, that's another reason why we wanted to come public is uh, if we had a really big acquisition that we could do, uh, we want to be able to lean in. We could raise money uh, in that way instead of traditionally just borrowing money from banks that you always have to pay back. So I see you just obtained a pretty large credit facility. Does that give you plenty of runway for now? Yes, uh, that's a that's a three year uh, with White Oak. There, um, banking was very tough in 2023. 
The banks, uh, you know, traditional banks were really wanting to get out of the lending business with all the capital requirements being imposed on them. So we had to go the non-traditional route. And so, yeah, we're, we're feel very comfortable now that we have that in place. So what drives the business? Is it hits or, or what fuels your growth? Well, the business is very constant. You know, every year, 50,000 copies of uh, Abbey Road get sold. Dark Side of the Moon, the same number. Those records have been out for years. So that's, a, you know, there's just people wear out the copies they have or new people come in decided they need to own it or whatever they're and we call that, you know, that's the evergreen titles that always sell. So catalog is just a large part of our business. There's always going to be a big new release coming out of something. Uh, and it's, you know, Q4 is the big year when all the new releases are saved up, whether it be gaming, movies, um, or, video, or video games. Uh, I said movie, theatrical pictures come out. Okay. Kind of the way it works is all the big movies come out in the summer, and then they release all the, 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 the media, the, the video movies get released in Q4. Um, and that's kind of the same pattern that always happens there. There certainly could be, you know, the, the, the trends could change or, you know, this type of genre of music is no longer popular. Um, you know, I'm sure the writer strike is going to have an effect on the box office next summer there because they lost a lot of an actor strike there. So they're going to be behind schedule. So it could be a little thin on movies um, next year. But then it got thin with uh, COVID too because they stopped producing movies there too. So because we're so diversified, I mean, things we don't, if we were just one category, genre, of, category of entertainment, we could really suffer there. During COVID, we were hitting on all cylinders. I mean, people were locked up in their homes. They had all this money. So they're buying, you know, movies, music, games, and collectibles. And, uh, you know, that was, you know, we got up to like over $1.5 in revenue uh, during that period there. So how about now as investors look at the company for things that can excite them and add value to the company, what are some of the events or catalysts coming up over the next year? Well, we'll continue to, to look for the opportunities of licensing more content. Um, you know, uh, as I mentioned Disney earlier, Around the rest of the world, Disney has announced that they they are no longer going to be manufacturing and distributing their content themselves, and they're licensing that content to third parties. And we're hopeful we'll be one of those third parties in 2024. And we, we don't think it'll stop with Disney. We think it's going to come with other companies too. Um, that 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 area will be for us to have other licensing opportunities. There are certainly many, because we have so many companies we buy from, we can, you know, vertically, we can, you know, acquire companies that we currently purchase from. Uh, that would just give us a more exclusivity, whether it be movies, music, or games. Um, you know, there's a lot of companies that, you know, they, they're operating and they're selling to retailers, but they have, a, they have distribution costs, they have marketing costs and all of that. And if we can kind of gobble those companies up who we buy from there and, and tuck those in with our current operation there, that'll just add to our profitability. We weren't able to do too much when we were trying to go public. We kind of put all our acquisitions on hold. And then when we came after we despacked, you know, we spent a lot of time in 2023 trying to get our financing line of credit in place. Uh, it was just a very difficult time period there, but we were able to finally get that done. 
So now we've got that behind us. So we've got, you know, strong bank behind us, lots of access to lots of raising money. We're a public company. We can raise, we can do an S1 raise at the drop of a hat. So we're well positioned to, to now to get on the acquisition wagon and look for other opportunities that to merge with and, and, grow, and grow our top line revenue there as well at the same time keep acquiring and licensing other content. So I look at those as our, our great windows of opportunity. So before we go, um, is there any one thing that I, that I missed or, or, or some closing remark that you want to leave uh, for investors to, uh, to know that uh, this is a good place to put money? Many years ago, when we were in the middle of COVID and it was difficult to find people to, to come and work, employees were pretty scarce at the time there. We knew we had to invest in more additional automation. And um, one thing that we invested in is a, a thing, something called AutoStore. And that's like a, and I, I call it the Rubik's Cube of auto storage retrieval system there. I'm sure you've seen a Rubik's Cube where you can turn it all around, have all the little cubes. I think each one of those cubes is a tote or a milk crate. And so we have an auto store system that we installed in our facility. Uh, it just started, it's been, we're, we're up to 12 months now of actually of using it, using the new system there. And it's really improved our productivity. Um, think about it now, we have like, we have, we're using it for vinyl right now. Vinyl's over $330 million a year revenue of vinyl that we process and ship out of our Louisville, Kentucky operation there. And that vinyl is all on shelves and, you know, in mezzanine. And, you know, we had very efficient pick pass and, you know, we would have you know, people walk to the shelf and pick the order and go pull the quantity they needed. We do batch picking. Batch picking is where you take, you know, multiple orders and consolidate them together. So you, when, the, when the picker walks down the pick path, they're basically pulling multiple store orders or multiple consumer orders at the same time to get maximum efficiency. But even with all that efficiency, the best we could do is get, maybe get 120 bin presentations uh, that, that that person could walk to uh, in, in an hour. And now with AutoStore, uh, we can get 300. We're up to, we have the ability to get up 360 bin presentations in an hour because they don't have to walk to the shelf. The shelf comes to them. And the way the way it works is the AutoStore retrieval system. Um, it basically you have all these totes stacked on top of each other. All the totes are all consolidated, packed together, so you eliminate aisle space. Uh, you get more efficiency out of the queue of your warehouse there. And they have all these bots on top of the, the, the totes, and there's a little grid system there, and it's a, the, the auto store system knows exactly what, what title, what LP title we have in what tote, and then we just tell it, hey, we've got these orders we need to fulfill. Send it, we send the, the, we, through our WMS, our warehouse management system, we send the information to auto store. Auto store this and goes and pulls the totes, and then the totes come to seven processors. So we went from 41 pickers who were walking around the warehouse picking orders were now down to seven people working at those stations. And those seven people are much happier. They're not walking around the warehouse. Uh, they're not getting worn out. They're not putting two miles of walking in like you hear a lot of those stories at Amazon, how much they have to walk. And, you know, the productivity is way up there. And with productivity even up, of course, that allows us to pay higher wages. So it's a win-win for everybody involved there. So we're, it sounds like pretty, the technology not only makes you more efficient, but it should – Go to the bottom line. Absolutely. And that's good for investors in our company. Well, Bruce, thanks so much for sharing the Alliance Entertainment story. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time.